This is episode 25 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, Walmart plus Walmart equals Amazon. IoT becoming mainstream. Analyst knows best. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data Podcast. It's Todd Harris, and I'm joined by Jose Chan again this week. How are you, Jose? I'm well. How are you, Todd? Hi, everyone. So uh, let's kick it right off. We are going to jump right into um, a few things here, as you can tell by the uh, by the uh, initial uh, title run that we did there. We've got some talk about Amazon and Walmart, as usual, uh, and a little bit of revisiting Internet of Things, which we talked about several episodes ago, and we had a nice conversation, if we remember, way back in... We're on episode 10 or 11, I think it was, with Bridget Johns from Retail Next. She had a lot to say about uh, IoT and how it's being used in stores. So uh, as a side note, if you want to hear what she had to say, just go back and look at some of our previous episode. And Bridget is, uh, was a great guest, and uh, she had a lot to say about that. But we're going we're gonna to just recap on a few of those things. We're going to talk about how far IoT has come and uh, a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of market news, too. Let's kick it off with uh, Walmart, uh, Jose. Uh, turns out that there's... Uh, two two WalMarts equal one Amazon. That wasn't just a uh, a silly you know silly title, but it's true. Um, Amazon's market cap is at about four hundred and fifty nine billion, apparently, uh, according to an article from Recode. And WalMarts is around two hundred and twenty eight billion. So there we go. Two WalMarts equals one Amazon, right? That's pretty incredible, right? If you consider that Amazon has only been around for. 20 years right. and Walmart for for many more years yeah. uh, just which is pretty pretty astonishing yeah I mean it apparently took them what 18 years to uh, catch Walmart uh, and now they've taken some some steps way beyond that so good on them pretty impressive but this is not the kind of situation where we want to count out Walmart by any means and we we don't want to count out any of those guys including Target and any other players of the classic brick-and-mortar players. They've got some tricks up their sleeve. Uh, and I don't know, Jose, do you want to touch on a couple of them here? We've got a bunch of sure. a bunch of things that Walmart's up to here, and um, they seem to be the poster child of using technology, more cutting-edge in-store technologies, and also using all that data they have um, from you know online purchases and in-store to to kind of make the experience better for their, yes, for their customers, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, here, let, let, let's uh, take what you're saying and, and get, frame it um, in terms of w what's going on here. So, before jumping into the details, what, what's going on is you have the two biggest uh, retailers kind of meeting up finally. Uh, not finally, but they're, as, let's say, Amazon is going more into the brick-and-mortar realm. Uh, Walmart, which was traditionally brick-and-mortar, is now going into the digital realm. And so, they're me starting to meet halfway. And as we've talked in the past, Walmart has acquired companies. It's Jet.com. Uh, it's acquired ModCloth. And it's essentially been, even if you recall, maybe a few episodes back, Todd, we talked about um, drones. They had a patent for drones in store, which is something that was pretty much um, an Amazon play, right? The whole drone thing. But mm -hmm. then they have a patent now to have drones in store. So what are they doing now is, is your question to dive into the details. Okay, but you don't mean they're actually flying drones in store. 
they have a patent for it. Yeah. For flying in drones store. in the store. In the store. Correct. Okay. That doesn't sound like fun at all. That sounds like a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of problems and lawsuits. <laughs> <laughs> Would agree. Uh, not, not clear, know. not clear. It's a little that, weird. That, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's not clear that they're actually doing it, but they do have the patent. Okay, for it, that's fair. Right. <laughs> kind of like Amazon. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so you need a, a little bit of, um, let's say, uh, PR every once in a while. Sure do. This is something few, ridiculous, few, right? Something ridiculous yeah. is always good for for news. <laughs> exactly. A few months ago, especially, uh, you know, it was good. But diving into what Walmart's currently doing, so they're apparently testing. Uh, some different approaches that are tech-related uh, and not so tech-related, but just approaches in general, in two of their stores. There's one store in Tomball, Texas, in Lake Nona, F Florida, where they're actually, this is non-tech, using layouts to improve the shopping experience, right? But in addition to layouts, they're adding uh, services like beauty salons and tech repair right near relevant merchandise and kind of making the experience so i think this goes hand in hand with what we've talked about creating a more positive experience making it easier for shoppers because we've heard and as consumers we know it's not often that we have a positive experience right mm -hmm. um when walking to the store so i think a lot of it has to do with with the more nuanced pieces right however uh in addition to this um what what they're doing, other than making the journey, the purchase physical purchase journey easier, they've include scan and go checkout technology, which works with smartphones and handheld devices uh, provided by Walmart. And in addition, they also have interactive info on tables and walls that allow customers to learn about um, connected devices like Google Home, Apple TV, Nest, baby monitors, connected thermostats, etc. Um, so the and scan and go though, that's the checkout, right? Is that self checkout? Is that what that is? Correct. Or is that something yep. else? Uh, no, it's checkout technology. Okay. So they don't need to go to an actual, you know, how at Home Depot or, uh, CVS, they have your self checkout stuff. That's, this is different, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. So it seems like, like it's part of your own handheld device, right? Your own smartphone. You can check out using that in store. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. In addition to the traditional way of doing things. Nice. So it's a test, right? So they, obviously not in all stores. It's in these two stores where they're testing this, which kind of goes, if you think about it, compare and contrast, these lines blur. It's like Amazon Go. It is. Totally is. I just That's exactly what I was thinking when you said that. But I, I mean, Amazon <laughs> Go, it, it seems there's some, not, we're not going to really talk too much about that, I don't think, but uh, there were some hiccups as far as rolling it out. And um, I don't think it's moved as quickly as they expected, but the whole process of shopping has changed with that. And people as being people uh, generally don't like change too much, you know, uh, too quickly at least. So I do wonder if, if there's something that's built into us that when we go to a store, you have to check out, you like, you have to, you have to go through your line or you have to visit something there to feel officially checked out and that you're not shoplifting or something, you know, it's, like this concept of going in and magically using your device or magically having it scanned and, hitting your Amazon account and then just leaving with it in your hand without actually doing something. I think to more conservative folks or, or people that just in general are used to, you know, that, that classic experience may have issues adopting it, but maybe it's not for them anyway. No, fully agree. Fully agree. And, and look, as we said, the 
these two companies are merging in, ter- in terms of who started what, they, they're also listen to what what they're also doing. Uh, and this is new. This is only a week old, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So customers can also page store staff via Wi-Fi connection buttons throughout the store. It, it, it's a little bit to me. I'm not sure what, what you think, Todd, but it's a little bit like uh, like the Dash concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, I, mean, I don't know how cutting edge that really is, but <laughs> it's, I think like Dick Sporting Goods has had this for a while where you can, uh, maybe maybe this is not the same thing, but if you're waiting to, they have these changing room pods throughout their stores and if you want to use one, you hit a little button and an employee can come over and let you in type thing. So essentially it's calling an employee, but sure. is that the same thing here? Is this different? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like, okay. right? Cause well, whatever. It, but you know what? I think it, it, the, the meta point here is that they're they're trying uh, overall to create a better environment in store. Right. Because this is all about the, the in store. So what they're really trying to do is differentiate their experience and making and make it worth your while if you're going to go into a store to purchase product uh, to make it more convenient and make it a more positive experience. Right. Because what they're really competing against is the convenience and the other, let's say, amenities that are offered by a two-day shipping, uh, let's say, type of policy, right? So so this is a great way, I think. Um, again, it's a test for them, so we'll see how this um, bears out. But it is a great way for them to differentiate themselves on a vector that they can differentiate themselves. And although we've said Amazon's making inroads with bookstores and Amazon Go with physical brick and mortar, uh, more of a presence, if you will. Here, um, these guys already have the physical presence, so they're capitalizing or trying to maximize the experience in a place where they can. Agreed, and and they're doubling down on that, and that's that's probably what they should do. And um, other retailers will will watch what Walmart is doing and definitely adopt some of the tricks that they're you know essentially Walmart is the guinea pig here of trying all these different things together and, and individualized ways of testing and other retailers will will watch probably and, and just kind of see what works for them and maybe what doesn't or just or just follow the lead you know follow the leader right away who knows yeah no i agree look right now it's still i mean it's it, it, it's fascinating right it's still a time of change it's a time uh people see it as a as a time of uh, of um upheaval but not really i mean it, it's change and i think it's normal at this point now it's just a function what works for walmart i think we'll see will not work for everyone uh some things will because not everybody is going to be able to pull it off or has the let's say the the uh infrastructure if you will in place at this point in time they will uh in order to pull things off like this yeah agreed and and this this kind of smoothly brings us over to topic two about internet of things picking up steam and, you know, some of what Walmart is doing and, and others are doing involves these uh, these these connected devices um, that could range from the size of, you know, uh, um, uh, a button smaller to uh, to a larger a larger device meant for more. Um, but there seems to be a, a definitely a, a pickup in adoption of the more old school IoT, which I guess you could call, you know, RFID uh, for inventory tracking kind of old school it's been around for a while it's just it's just been a little bit more difficult to adopt um 
I guess, Jose, I mean, why, just quickly addressing RFID, it's been around in retail for, you know, a decent amount of time. Why, I guess, why is it, why was it difficult to adopt? I mean, was it, was it overhyped and underdelivered in a way and just had to settle a little bit? Yeah, well, I think that the key, one of the key reasons, and I'm not going to say it's the only one, but I would say yeah. one of the key reasons is really price, right? I mean, if you're going to do something at scale, uh, then you need to bring your cost down. And the cost of these things, though, not, you know, around the dollar range, right, per per tag at one point in time, uh, was cost prohibitive. And it came down lower um, to... Cup 80 cents, 70 cents, etc. But even then, that for each tag relative to scale was still not um, something that was um, actionable, right? You, how do you justify that? But as prices fall, and there are other technologies that are similar to RFID, uh, like scannable barcodes, for example, um, that are paper based and printed, um, you're talking about cents, pennies. That that has legs, right? So so I think it was really cost, not that it couldn't be used, um, but that was one of the main issues. Yeah, I mean, it seems like beyond that, um, when it comes to IoT for retailers, the, the the bigger the bigger idea or the bigger concept is sensors and um, really encroaching on the activities of your in-store customers to really understand beyond beyond cameras, but. Um, understanding where they are and then specifically where that person is moving to or being able to engage with them being able to understand context of what they're up to right so if they're going if they're in one aisle and they are browsing something you know that they're there you but you also have data that tells you that from there um you know an existing set of previous people customers went over and looked at something else so they started off in the garden section we're looking at you know, seed spreaders, and then ended up going over to buying a uh, a rake or something. So from that data, from understanding that they are at a certain location and then presenting them with something else, whether it's an offer or some other encouragement or some other way to push them to purchase something else, it seems like this, this in-store experience is obviously, obviously not just for the in-store shopper, but also for the retailer to be able to get some more insightful data in, in real time you know, push offers to them in some form or fashion, right? Exactly. And other ways to think about it, right? We could think about it um, from a store vantage point, um, but sticking to the store vantage point, I mean, things that uh, seem very um, simplistic, right, could actually be cost savers and, and, and still fall within the realm of Internet of Things. So if you think of lighting, right, energy savings, um, it's smart lighting. Right. So essentially lighting comes on as you walk in. We don't think about it and it's not necessarily uh, you don't need AI necessarily to do this. You just need, as to your point, a sensor. But still for a large department store, uh, let's say the back room need not be the front end where, where it's customer facing. But in the back where you have inventory, it does save uh, energy and it, it and it does save um, money for for a retailer, right? In terms of overhead sure. costs, and, and these are little things that make a store more efficient, if you will. Uh, again, yeah. not not the sexiest stuff in the world. We're not talking about um, you know whatever you could imagine, but nevertheless, 
little things like this. I mean, it is kind of sexy because with the, these these little sensors are more talented than we think. You know, they these these smart lights are are pretty darn smart because they're 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 understanding not only are there people in the store and they're turning the lights off, but they're also tracking and sending info to the mothership of what pe what are people doing and where are people going like is there what type of concentration of people are in this area um because lights are everywhere right so why not put some sensors in them so they can intelligently detect where people are and where they're going and what they're doing and sure. you know the the pace of people moving between sections of an aisle or something so they're yeah i mean they're it's not sexy, I guess, when you boil it down, but it, it kind of is because it's 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 doing a lot more than lights used to do just a few years ago. So, right. Um, yeah. Right. And if you think about this, I mean, you could maybe let's imagine a connected store. What if you were to take uh, voice activation and put it into the mix and try to, you know, create a scenario where you could actually ask for things rather than pushing buttons uh, wirelessly to get a a let's say an attendant or sales associate to come and see you you can actually just ask i don't know some some touch screen um that you could swipe and talk to it and it talks back to you yeah possibly right? i think it's cool i mean i mean it'd be a little weird yeah. if there's a lot of people right right a lot right of noise sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. everyone quiet down i'm trying to talk to this thing a little big brother like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they got to give it a name too right so you gotta have to like if it's at a home depot i mean you gotta say exactly hey, this is i'm talking to mr depot here so everyone calm right. down or the wizard or the wizard yeah <laughs> but, but if you think about it i mean that that was just an off-the-cuff kind of on-the-fly thought of what an imagine store could be but there were many possibilities once cost um is is down but more importantly once to your point at the heart of that was if the experience is right, if it feels right, right? doesn't feel creepy. doesn't feel like um, <laughs> you're, you're like intruding on other people's privacy with this big screen, et cetera. Because if you look at the stats, um, Gartner uh, said this year there will be 8 billion connected devices. And by 2020, there will be 26 billion, right? And other forecasters who are more bullish say that they may think that by 2020 there may be even somewhere between 50 billion to 100 billion devices so i think that the connected devices are pretty much becoming more mainstream and so here, here's a quote from someone else who is um chris concept he's the vp of marketing at aruba which is a hewlett-packard enterprise company uh he says that although retail it's not the leader it's certainly within the top five industries that are finding and using different IoT applications. So retail for sure is, is uh, again, taking advantage of the efficiencies and that allow it to minimize cost, but also enhance customer experience, which is what the game is about. And you shouldn't ever, I, I don't know, tell me what you think, Todd, but I, I don't think that any tech should be intrusive, meaning that it, it should be normal. You should feel, it to, It shouldn't feel like like there is tech around you. It should just be a normal part of your process. Yeah, and that, I think that's part of what's been difficult for uh, the retail industry to adopt technology because it just hasn't, retail industry has historically not adopted technology early and it's always taken a long time for it to settle and become part of the, you know, the, the daily the daily life of a retailer. Mm -hmm. and. 
whether it's for, co for cost reasons, whether it's for infrastructure reasons, maybe they didn't have the people in place to be able to roll something like that out, whether it's IoT or if it's, um, you know, some, some, new, some new database, some new planning system, a new inventory tool, whatever it might be. But that's clearly changed and, and retailers are picking up the pace. But like we've seen, only there seems to be only a, a, like a handful of the larger retailers that are really doing this, it seems. Um, there are others that have intention to do it, it seems. Mm -hmm. But it really, um, and, and perhaps we can transition over to the, to the third topic where uh, this is addressed in, in, in more of a public environment. There is a Frost & Sullivan uh, retail analyst on CNBC just today or yesterday um, and he was speaking of some of the ways that retailers can do a better job of kind of picking the pace up and trying to roll with the punches of the changing retail environment and adopting technology, of adopting various technologies to help this transition. And I think the key point there is that this transition that's happening in retail right now is not going to be solved by just technology being rolled in. You know, you can just dump a whole bunch of stuff into a store and then you know, make some changes and on the back end. And sure, that's, that's great. But the question is, does it, are there, are there other drivers? Are there other ways um, this is being surrounded as far as the goals that the, that the retailer has? And, and, and uh, this analyst named three different drivers for using these technologies. So it's, it's reasons, right? So it's maybe if a retailer is having a hard time understanding, okay, why am I even doing this? It's just because Walmart's doing it, or <laughs> do I really have a need for this in my store, right? Because they're, you know, a, um, you know, a Coach store is a, a lot different than a Walmart store, um, as 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 is an uh, an off-price retailer. So it's they all have their different needs and and uh, uh, requirements. So, but this this uh, this analyst that was on CNBC. Uh, was very was very firm about you know, essentially declaring to retailers that you need to pick up the pace on technology adoption because this is going to help you move through this period of change and this is going to help you be one of those successful retailers, not one of the ones that's that's falling apart. Um, to put it blatantly, uh, and he said there's three different three different drivers: automation, awareness, and immersion. Um, Jose, I don't know if you want to just take us through those three just to kind of explain his his thought processes around these three and how they can impact a retailer when they're going when they're looking to adopt these technologies. Yeah. So I think, look, automation is for the standard tasks. And he, he said he, the way he was thinking about it, which I, I would agree with, which is uh, stock taking, right? I mean, so you could have a handheld device to help you t to take uh, inventory of things, scan things, uh, kind of think of FedEx UPS in this case, right? It, yeah. It's just standard, automation right the right. basic stuff you and need inherently to do automation well. makes uh, well supposed to lower costs so that's that's the general idea yeah i mean look it it, it it's supposed to and it, and it should it's more efficient right because you, you just yeah. mm. it, it's it's a depending on how you look at it depending on how you apply it right there are many use cases but in this particular uh, simple example it, it to your point yes yeah uh it does lower costs and it's and it's efficient the second one uh, is awareness, right? Which gives retailers uh, the ability to, um, to use technology to track um, people on, online and also uh, physically in stores, right? So you could figure out the shopping habits of, of what they're doing. And so really what this does is uh, it helps 
understand the consumer's buying behavior. Uh, this is what, what, what he said. And, and that's, that's important too, right? Because if you think about what's going on uh, in our industry, it's the online piece we know uh, is, is much more robust in terms of the data available because of the nature of the technology, whereas in the physical store, not that clear uh, that it's as robust. I think now we're getting to a point where it's getting much closer. But before, let's say five years ago, six years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of tech out there that gave you much insight into what he's talking about, awareness or the consumer's buying behavior. And then the third point or pillar he he talks about is immersion. So it's the power of a retailer to influence um, buying habits, right, by using previously collected data. And so you could use this through apps, location services, and even augmented reality, right? So that this could be uh, perhaps uh, targeted, personalized sales um, or recommendations, or it could take many forms, right, to a customer uh, while shopping with a given retailer. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's he was he also made it very clear that you know they're they're very stuck. In, in the day in the days of you know of 10 years ago maybe or what they used to do and um and and you know i think he's one of his main points was was embracing other data sources data types that can kind of round off their the experience or the the knowledge that they have um to understand you know the, the gaps the gaps the gaps of knowledge that they have uh, from lack of lack of data um and I mean, they have the classic, like he mentioned, they have their point of sale system. Mm-hmm. They they know people are walking in and out, and they know they're buying things. Um, but that's pretty much it. I mean, that's kind of like the the old way of, of understanding <laughs> yes. things, right? And 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 he went on to say, and this is all kind of obvious stuff here, but it was really interesting to have it said, I guess, again, um, in a public environment like that on CNBC and. Um, of speaking about how these these drivers are important to kind of in, in, you know push them along to say you know it's time to start you know taking this this online data and, and offline data and other other chunks of data that have been sitting around your organization and, and doing something with it um, combining it with Internet of Things devices combining it with you know marketing technologies to reach out to your to your customers better based on what they're doing online and in store and you know kind of putting it all together in a nice big you know a, ni- a nice big wrapped presence uh that they can take and make something out of and help them compete you know and that's and that's kind of what that's what we saw i think with walmart and uh mm-hmm. and we're seeing that with target we're seeing that with a lot of those types of uh, retailers and they're they're starting to make strides there and um the smaller the smaller retailers and the more classic retailers will be following suit, no doubt, or you know, sure. or they won't make it. Exactly. Well, well, two two points here. One, what's interesting about what we're talking about, right, and the points that you raised, Todd, the fact that th- it, this is a the vantage point of an analyst, right, who yeah. is not a participant in retail, and he just observes, which is a nice, I think, nugget to have in terms of. Uh, he covers a lot of companies, so he's taking the best in class, um, let's say, practices and distilling them into these three, let's say, concepts that he has or ideas. Then you said this something that, that just made me think. So as the large retailers are 
who traditionally brick and mortar are grappling with how to incorporate tech in order to, uh, let's say, stay in tune with what customer expectations are, who are already in tech, right? Uh, using mobile, etc., cetera, uh, to shop, view, live, etc. We live and die by our phone. The smaller companies, let's say the smaller, younger retailers or retail firms that are starting up actually already have tech imbued within their, let's say, DNA. It's just sure. a given, sure. right? I mean, so I know we've talked about companies like this before, but think of companies like um, just because they're the most accessible right now. Uh, they're not as new as they used to be, but like the Warbies of the world or... or uh, the bonobos of the world, right? Te tech is just a given. You, right. you don't even think about it. Because their model is more, it's blended, right? It's a blended model <laughs> online, offline. And because of that, because they started that way, they have to have that infrastructure in place. And yeah, that I guess that theoretically should give them an advantage. But then again, they have to grow and, you know, reach to a new audience and, um, you know, catch up to the, to the existing folks. Um, and that seems to be, uh, happening and then some with them yeah exactly look and and they may or may not i mean the, the jury's still out i mean I, i'm not mm -hmm. I, I wish them all well but <clears throat> but i think the days of having uh mega brands that appeal to everyone that are billion dollar companies uh, look there aren't going to be that many oh, yeah. <laughs> in the future sure. and it's going to be much more fragmented right since tastes and it may change look uh, as tastes change um there's much more segmentation across markets, which means that there will be many more startups uh, in retail, right, that, that have things, and that there are plenty of them online, uh, but they'll also have, a, let's say, limited brick-and-mortar presence for the most part, and they'll all coexist in this ecosystem, and, and I think that's a trend that we're seeing right now with, with a lot of young startups that um, are retailers but are not household names, but within groups of people uh, they're known. Yeah. And, and over, over time that'll probably change, but yeah, that was exciting. So we're, you know, we're always, uh, watching the news to see what kind of nuggets we can find out there. So, and of course it's earning season for, uh, for, for retailers, well, some retailers at least. So I think it spawns Ouch. these kinds of, these spawns, <laughs> these kinds of conversations, right. As far as these analysts coming out of the woodwork and, and staking their claims as to, okay, well, look what just happened. Uh, be, you know, that just happened. These guys stink. These guys did great. And this is why. <laughs> and I'm going to go back now to my desk. See you next quarter. So, <laughs> I, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's been a tough earning season. I mean, not not, not for this episode, but it, it's. Uh... Yeah, no, it's, it's actually for this one. And, you know, we really should have addressed it. Maybe we will next time. But some of the results we've seen and they're not all bad at all. I mean, there's there's a there's a nice mix this time. I tell you, last time we, we addressed earning season, it was pretty dismal. Right. So it's nice to be in a better place, you know, nice to be in a, in a happy place. That's good. Oh, somewhat happy place with that. So we will see. We will, we'll see if they can keep the pace up, you know. Well, anyway, that is it. That That's a show. I think we got our three topics in. And um, I would say if you have any comments, any questions, any feedback, just shoot us a note at BrickDataCast at gmail.com. Uh, you can get us on Twitter, too. It's at BrickDataCast. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and we added something else, and I can't remember what it is, but we are on most of the uh, most of the players, Overcast and all those. Um, but until next time, take care and have a good week. Bye, everyone. <laughs>